1: And action! Hello and welcome to episode 359 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films to TV to documentaries and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to royally F it up in our very humble opinion. Today on the show, we have director Alice Troughton. Um, She has not only won a BAFTA for directing TV for Cucumber, as it happens, she's also directed episodes of Doctor Who, The Living and the Dead, and Baghdad Central. But today, we're here to talk about her debut movie. It is called The Lesson and it is an absolute delight. The movie stars Richard E. Grant, Julie Delpy, Stephen McMillan, Crispin Letts, and as the lead of Liam, Daryl McCormack, who is probably very well known these days from *Peaky Blinders, but also last year's Oscar-nominated film, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Uh, the lesson is a story about an aspiring novelist who lands a job tutoring on the estate of his literary hero.
2: Average writers attempt originality, but the greats, great writers, steal. But your personal life seeps into your work. If you're asking whether my son's death has inspired my writing, the answer is no, I will not be writing about his death. I will be writing in spite of it. Good morning. You must be Bertie. So you're my tutor. Your father. He's the most revered writer in the country.
1: My husband, the subject of your thesis, you're not here for him. So don't talk about his work.
2: Don't talk about Felix. Follow those rules and you should be fine.
0: It's only been two years since. Felix,
2: Felix off limits. Don't do it again. You know, Liam's a writer too. I've seen the novel. It's actually quite good. Not the first.
0: There have been incidents in the past.
2: When you said I wasn't the first, what did you mean?
1: I have a new novel. And I was wondering if you might be on hand for the
2: final stretch. I thought you might like to help. We did all we could to save Felix. But it was too late. My husband was always hard to please. You're
1: changing my work. I'm not. Who's the writer? This isn't about the writing. It was only ever about the writing, Liam.
0: Why does he lock the door if he's got nothing to hide? I want to know. Don't you?
2: It's
1: like nothing you've written before. But at the ending, it feels like a
2: different novel. Like it was written by someone else. Liam, Good writers borrow. Great
1: writers (laughs) steal. It is a slow burn thriller. It is delightfully directed by Alice Troughton and we were lucky enough, myself and Dom, to sit down and chat with her. We discuss why it took five years to get it to the screens. We talk about script changes and themes, why music is important and why... They shot for 22 days. We talk about why you should plan and plan and plan and then be able to bend like a willow. And we dive deep into dealing with issues, having a great team. What the hell, a koi poo? And she gives you some amazing advice. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director and a producer. And I'm joined by my fellow host, who's also writer, director and a producer, Dom Lenoir thank you for listening to last week's episode with terry dwyer and ian Pulston davies talking all about bowling shoes it is out in cinemas now do go support and what a great episode if you haven't listened to that once you've finished this one with alice troughton go back and have a listen so much knowledge and advice and we proper chatted oh, all about indie filmmaking and we chatted all about making Boland shoes. And like I say, thank you all for your comments and love. Shout outs uh, go to Jane Gull, um, Michael J. Long, David Hart, Carl Dark from Law Films, Jack Norris, and Nathan Haynes, and to Joseph Milson, who's Crowdfunder. Uh, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is still going for his feature film Signs of Life, is massively in progress. They are a couple of grand away from their goal. Uh, link to that will be in the show notes, but do go support. But thank you, everyone else, for that love across the board this week. Coming up for you very soon, we have dumb money um, producers, the producer team behind that smash hit of a movie, which is also in cinemas now. And we have the director of Once, John Carney, whose latest film, Flora and Son, will be out soon as well. And after that, we'll have Oliver Krimpas talking about his film Around the Sun for you after that. So a big bumper month coming up of amazing guests uh, and episodes. So I hope you learn loads from this podcast and i hope you go out there and be inspired uh, even with the issues that are going on at the moment um with sag and wga and hopefully they're resolved by the time you hear this but if not that shouldn't stop you from thinking about your film from planning it's so important to plan 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 so you're ready to bend because this industry makes you bend all the time and not bend over <laughs> but bend to the situation and bend to what's happening for you as a filmmaker and it's not that simple it's not easy you've got to stick at it and you've got to work hard and you've got to be in the right place at the right time and make things happen for yourself so Alice Troughton, I guess today the lesson is written by Alex McKeith. It's produced by Camille Gattin, who does make an appearance because she was sat quite near Alice and she does say hello. Um, I think Camille is an amazing producer and hopefully one day we can get her on as well. And the cinematographer was Anna Patarakina. So sit back, relax, enjoy myself and Dom Lamar talking to the wonderful director, Alice Troughton. Enjoy.
0: Hey, Charles and John. Hey,
1: Alice. Hey, yeah. How are you doing? You all right?
0: Nice to see you. How are you?
1: Yeah, really good.
0: Where are you? London. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I always love people's artwork.
2: Joe, sure, which artwork were you referring to? Charles's. Uh, well, it can't work. be mine. Looking
0: at your magnificent stag.
2: Ah, okay. um, yeah.
0: which you could you you know in the lesson there's definitely an old stag, young stag theme which we could talk about. But... I put
2: it up specifically. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he has never, never seen it. Come
2: on, misconception! Con- People often think that's a colour chart. It's actually a, a chart of of chocolates from a chocolate shop. Uh, oh. So. Uh... Oh, there we go. Bit yes. A bit of totally useless information. To... <laughs> the
1: that's what's been amazing about Zooms, isn't it, over the last two or so years, where you've got to see inside people's homes, you know, yeah. and suddenly you've got to make it look, you know, semi-decent. I, know, and they,
0: they, I mean, I could have put my blurry background on so that you couldn't yes. see my Fisher-Price record player that's in the is back. That, what, that is Classic that brand. what it Classic is? Brand. Classic brand and the inspiration for some of the music in my films as well. With really? The... really? Well the Fisher-Price thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And kind of, but you know, like the true romance theme. Mm. I've always, been, you know, that kind of like heard. What is it called? There's a. They do it on a specific instrument. And I've always been really fascinated by themes, actually, as yes. well. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I love that in your, you know, the use of music as well and how important it was. And oh, By the way, we we really enjoyed this film a oh lot. Yeah,
0: yeah we you. haven't told you, but I we did. <laughs> no, no, we did.
1: We saw this two weeks ago, Dom? I don't know now. It felt like it was in a press screen and we... Oh, really, we came out talking about it for ages. Mm, we talked we about we it actually, for about. We actually had a sit down with minutes. another
2: journalist. We won't yeah. mention who, um, and, and deconstructed the movie because there were there were Ooh. interesting questions. Yeah.
0: So, uh... How lucky am I? Because you know, for me, uh, it, I don't know, this is my first film. I've made a lot and lots of television, mm-hmm. but to me, there's such a privilege, in it's like people seeing your movie. i, mm. I get really excited, and and <laughs> in America, we opened in and we got barbie heimard you know you're like whoa uh, yeah, yeah yeah but that's the idea of somebody sitting in a cinema in toronto and, and watching the movie is still so thrilling for me and also because it is a divisive movie and people are kind of like you know go either way about whether they think it's wrong right you know da, da, da. <laughs> um, i love that fact that it's being debated that that's already a success in, in mm.
1: Yes totally agree and we did didn't we Don? we sat and talked about this and we went through the pros and cons and why they would do this and why the characters would yep. do that yeah. and what this meant and it, we, we actually really enjoyed doing that and I think it really opened our eyes even more because we kept finding new things what about oh and that meant that and that and it was just it's one of those beautiful films that just grows on you I feel
0: and, and actually I've had people well again something that you go oh actually my ambitions might be low but actually I really love the fact that people want to see it again mm. and do yes. sort of just because there are clues. It is a thriller and there are clues and there are some of those clues that are subliminal or kind of, you know, just peripheral, maybe is mm-hmm. a better way of putting it, that I think that you pick up on more when you see the film a second time. So really kind of quite an obvious one is the film that uh Sinclair, Rich D. Grant is watching when he's talking to Liam in the cinema room and mm. the film that playing is an, is a really classic noir. Yes. Um uh, You know, not to give any spoilers away, but it has a theme that that. Yeah. It, it, Yes, parallels. it yeah.
1: does. We talked about that one. We did. Yeah. We mentioned that one because yeah. we were like that in relation to him and what he's thinking and feeling. And yeah, many
2: mm-hmm. lessons to be learned. Yeah. Many lessons <laughs> to
0: be learned. <laughs> there was a pleasure in me because Diana doors. She had that kind of classic uh, being belittled in the press um, mm-hmm. yeah. and being reduced to being a pair of tits and uh, mm-hmm. a blonde kind of hairstyle, and uh, you know, largely broad and 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 sort of kind of parodied and. Uh, Yet you see her in The Blonde Sinner, the title was in um, America of that film, and she was a leading actress. She was a uh, a really, really good lead actress. And so it's interesting to me, like Ada Lupina making The Hitchhiker, how, you know, we just kind of get a a memory deficiency. Can women direct noir? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, they can.
1: Yes, they definitely (laughs) can. It's been proven here, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. It's fantastic. I love the little twists and turns. I love that you had to keep working it out, what was happening. Uh, and, and also about, you know, toxic men, you know, in that sense of powerful...
0: Well, you said it, that with a bit of a sigh and a bit of a kind of, you know, that burden.
1: Yes. Well, it's, there is that, you know, it's been with us for so long and, and men have had this, you know, and it's it's about time. It It's, it's like, please, finally. But yet these... Men don't know a way out. And I think that's what's interesting. I found that
2: it fantastic. It's
0: endangered species. Yes. Yeah,
2: Ant- antiquated, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like a sort of, uh, it's, it's a different time and they just haven't like, evolved. Uh, and mm. it's, yeah, it's sort of holding on to this and very yeah, outdated. Itself,
0: industry, at the moment, you know. Yeah, I know. Clinging on by the, and, and that's where the toxicity comes from. And listen, we, as we evolve through life, we have choices of whether to become toxic enough not or not with the experience it has mm. us. And, and a lot of what we talk about in the lesson is the British class system, which absolutely uh, uh echo is an echo chamber for that toxicity. Mm. You know, so um the kind of fragmentation in the relationship between father and son because of the boarding school experience and the kind oh, of yeah. send away to school and the level of expectation, that toxicity between yeah. Father and son—that actually was something that Richard really has said to me in rehearsals and and in the run up that he really understood because he's seen it. He's seen that, that those fragmentation of those relationships and he really understood it.
2: And it's massively traumatizing as well that 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 whole sort of infrastructure. It's like you know, take you away, throw you into this this world, and then and then sort of be brought up on these values that don't necessarily reflect society anymore. And, mm. and you wonder why you have these kind of ruthless, yeah, crazy characters. They're
0: our government. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm quite interested. in doing another project in another way about bo- the boarding school. You know, the whole uh, yeah. mm. of boarding school. And, Of course, Bertie's been to boarding school, so it's Felix. And now, you know, the next mm. step, the next yes, kind of uh, next and, and 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 the the kind of fragmentation in child development that that causes. I mean, yeah. it's 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 brutalizing um, yeah. uh, to to young boys and girls but really you know boys i think suffer mm. particularly being taken away and out and you know it, that's years of therapy afterwards and people are still kind of I mean, and we are one of the few countries that do it i would to say the only one but i'm sure mm. there are outposts that do it to normally mm. where we've colonized but yeah uh, mm-hmm. toxicity of that system and the breakdown of what happens within the the family unit mm. yes uh, it, it, it's really clear in the relationship between sinclair and Bertie um yeah, and from an outsider point of view which is even you know uh, uh you know which is also toxic um toxic within it and I think that that's um, something that we all know, really.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, something I found really interesting as well is that is that sort of narcissistic contagion as well that, that sort of occurs between the characters. I mean, like, you know, was was he always going to become sort of similar to, you know, his mentor or... Is is that part of just spending time around people? And there, there is actually a lot of evidence that if you do spend time around those kind of characters, mm-hmm. uh, you you end up passing on traits, and it's it's a survival tactic. And you, and then it sort of feeds back into what you're saying about boarding school and yes. whether you're in toxic environments there. I mean, it, it all sort of ties in together. And there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence to to back you know what you've put into narrative form. It's it's a really mm-hmm. fascinating subject.
1: And also Liam as well is, you know, this is his literary hero he's going into mm. the house of. So, yeah. of course, he's going to be influenced by that. You know, he mm. wants that life. So he sees what he's doing and he, he, in some way he can't help but become that. It must have been fascinating for you to develop that because this came to you about five years ago. Is that right? Um, uh,
0: yeah, about five years ago. I was yeah. brought it by my producer, Camille Gassan who had done a film called Girl with Gifts which uh, was uh, a brilliant hit and she was looking for the next movie and she very much wanted to work with a female director. And uh, I had done a couple of uh, w- things that were really successful television-wise, but one was the Davis cucumber mm-hmm. episode where it was stunning and it was some of the best writing. And I was lucky enough and then good enough to make that. And she wanted to up the proportion of female directors that are out there and I was very keen also to be you know representative of that because we haven't got gender parity in movie making mm-hmm. anywhere near and so you're asked and it's a privilege to to be offered this we wanted to do it we were passionate about it we felt we had a story to tell it felt it was a really exciting genre to explore um together but from a different point of view and you know there have been female noirs I've I, there have mm. there have been you know, but but I think it's traditionally a real male bastion, and consider, mm. you know, um, so so it was a good genre to start off on. But in my television work, I've done westerns and uh, neo noir with an Iraqi hero yeah, in Baghdad central. central, and yeah. so I'm mm. really looking for those areas that we traditionally haven't been allowed to kind of push into. Mm.
2: And it's such a great genre with so much scope as well. Um, you know, the, the noir territory, and it's 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 great that you're sort of able to explore that so so what kind of shape was was this in you know when the idea sort of begin to form, and and going through the writing and your your input into all of that
0: yeah absolutely um alex and i work really closely together actually um we did it twice we did it once to just really shore up the dynamics and and then really his writing is brilliant and Mm. so in terms of dialogue and cut and thrust a lot of the scenes that you see in there were in the first draft of what i read so it felt like it could transform uh, substantially one of the big rewrites we did is when we found the location and we wanted to make script work in the location and then we worked very closely together mm. um and and just cinematically to make sure that we were staging it right so that there were kind of peripheral thematic um Themes. but then in terms of choice of location that was very much left down to my dp um and she brought that up a level so i i do use and i think this maybe is my background in television i cr- i really love the teamwork that goes behind making mm. something and when i have a creative head of department like alex as a writer or, or anna my dp um i use them very heavily to kind of like you know, move us through the production issues and um, likewise with design. And you talked about music earlier and I'd love to come back to that at some point Mm -hmm. because the music was so integral and Isabel Waller-Bridge was with us for the whole five years of the development of the movie. Um, We met her very, very early on Um, and we wanted to meet her because she's obviously so brilliant and does a number of different styles and she'd done Emma and she'd done Fleabag. Mm -hmm. We had this mind meeting And she was so uh, passionate and enthusiastic and had such a clear idea of how she wanted the music to be. It became, I'm going to say the awful words, it became like a character in our movie because it's in the DNA of the movie and um, I'm really proud for her. I hope she wins all the awards in it Mm -hmm. and it just does so much for the film. It
1: really does. Yeah. The the music, like I say, it's one of the first things I mentioned because it was just, I found that really fascinating and the power of it, not just within the sound, but also how uh, Richard Grant's character manipulated do not know this music type thing as well. It oh yeah, yeah. A power Yes. It's
0: like, it's,
1: it's just wonderful. It was just, just really harshly. I'm better than you because I know this. And it was just those little things that just elevated this. It really did. We've had Julie Delpy on the podcast uh, in the oh, past. And she,
0: lovely Julie. Yes.
1: And she is incredible. And so far, because obviously she's directed as well and made movies many like, times. So
0: many. I mean, Julie has directed seven yeah. movies. Yes. Wow. And who knows? You know, again, it's like she's an alter She yes. has a body of work. Mm-hmm. And yet, mm. you know, that doesn't. She, you know, she doesn't get valued enough within her field whatever.
1: totally agree it's like no one knows she directs them. i'm like well hang on. she's made seven movies with stars and she just and constantly apparently just
0: it. finishing one up actually i think as wouldn't well. surprise but, uh,
1: me she's a yeah. she's a machine she was fantastic in this movie as well and there was a moment mm-hmm. when we talked about it for quite a bit afterwards where because she's quite a stoic cold character and then suddenly so there's this moment where she's smiling a head off she's just smiling and it's and we talked about it for a while about was this the real her was it not
0: so is that the moment when she turns and meets his gaze or-
2: uh, no. no 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 it was the it was the moment when she's watching the sun go oh, for oh, a yeah, no
0: absolutely go for something <laughs> she, she's in the on the floor going we need to show that this woman can be something else. <laughs> other
1: than cold ice queen
0: no. Yes. And
2: it, it sort of opens up an interesting question, I suppose, into like, you know, how do, how much of her um, containment is down to, you know, the effects with the family and the son, and, and, you know, really whether it's not about the husband as much and whether it's actually the son that kind of drives her happiness. That, that was kind of where my mind.
0: Uh, I mean, I think that's, that's really clever. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's a lot around it. And we thought a lot about it. It's all really, really thought through and thought mm. out. And um, I think. For the Ellen character, had it not been for the loss of her eldest son, the status quo could have been maintained. I mean, there's a sublimation. We looked at a lot of power couples, power couples, I mm. say they you know, celebrity, but we're looking older
1: yeah.
0: at Hemingway and Martha Gellin and uh, Jackson Pollock and Lee Krasner and, you know, the kind of relationship where it's very often a woman has sublimated her creativity. Yeah. To 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 let the other creative ego grow, mm. um, and that could become incompatible. And we know that that's something that Ellen did, um, and and possibly would have continued doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she became a support. She became a curator. She became somebody that bought other people's work rather than creating her own work. You know, uh, mm. the talent spotter until the death of their eldest son, which is you know. I think it's spoiler to say that that is at the front of the movie and yeah. is something that is mm. the level of grief that subsides underneath. You know, the yes. movie, all of that family, in fact.
2: So, so, did you did you already always know that those were going to be the cast? Uh, I mean, how did the casting come into it?
0: Yeah, well, the, the casting actually, once we can it all happened very quickly. It, it's one of those things, it's like, you know, you spend nine months pregnant and then the birth happens in 10, 20. I mean, actually, the <laughs> casting and the, the and the production, I mean, we shot in 22 days. So wow. development, 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 yeah. wow. development. We've got all the finance, let's go. And, and they, they, you know, we had quite a number of different iterations, different ideas or whatever. So at the time that we knew we were greenlit and we wanted to go, those people came into focus Daryl I think was probably the last person mm-hmm. um to, to come mm-hmm. on board um and we were so fascinated by his movie star quality yeah. which you know I, I mean I would say Harris Dickinson has got it too mm-hmm. okay yeah but I'm talking about genuine movie star quality and mm-hmm. I I I knew it on the floor with Daryl and I knew it when you seen Leo Grand and uh yeah. I think that he is a genuine movie icon. Mm. And that, that made his casting very easy for me. But, my God, can you imagine if you'd got it wrong on this film? You only have five actors. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be. Yes. And most directors will say to you, if I cast it wrong, I can't do anything. It, yeah. It's all about this casting. And I'm touching Wood for being hubristic, but uh, I believe that it is a perfect cast.
1: Um, yes, and it is. Even Stephen McMillan as well. well. Let's mention right.
0: Stephen because yeah. Stephen, I want him to get a best supporting... Uh, BAFTA, nomination, mm-hmm. mm. and I want them all to win all the awards. Of course, I do. I am very. I don't really care about myself, actually.
2: So it is written. <laughs> so it is written,
0: <laughs> I know. Written. I really, especially, you know, I, Richard is a leading man. He's been nominated yeah. as supporting man. I want him nominated. I want Julie recognised for her amazing leading actress ability. I want Daryl as a leading man, and I want Stephen as yeah. best supporting actor because look okay. at the quality of his performance. And, again, he has a Timothy Chalamet charisma. Mm.
2: Yeah, charisma. I, I was going <laughs> to. I didn't want to use the word, but, but that is the word. It's, it's, it's. You know, it's this kind of larger than life energy that you just kind of you're fascinated by them. I am
0: fascinated watching. by actors because what they did. You know, the the authenticity you can smell in authenticity. You can. Oh yeah. You can't. You. you yeah. can, And and I can certainly on my sets and obviously with television you're doing lots and lots of different actors and you do know and there's any. As a director, there is something you can do, but all you can do is probably massage it twenty percent up. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That yeah. that that's that's what you can do. You can kind of glitter a turd, but, mm-hmm. but you can't I mean we never really end up there. So casting is, is no. your basic. Yeah. Basic. Yeah. And actually it was my brilliant casting director, Dixie Chasse, who's just come back from a triumph in Venice with Paul Things. She does all the Yorgopanthamosis films, and yeah. she was the one that said You've got to see Daryl McCormack. He is a superstar. And, uh, I mean, he he, he just was. But also the drive from Julie, Richard, Stephen um, and uh, Daryl to play these characters, the characters really sang to them. They really Mm. loved them. And so I knew I was stepping into the floor with talents. And passion. What I didn't know what was going to happen, and which you never do, is you don't know what the chemistry on the floor is going to actually materialize mm. into. And, yes. and they created such an extraordinary dynamic
2: and how did you go into sort of building that chemistry? Was that through rehearsals or did you get to meet them beforehand to sort of get them together or was it like try and keep some of them separate? Like, How, how did you sort of work around that?
0: Yeah, you know, actually they were <laughs> – oh, I was shooting quick. Let's go. Um, uh, <laughs> we, we did some rehearsal. We, uh, I am a big believer in intimacy coordinators only because I've seen the toxic results mm-hmm. of not having them for like – Yep, uh, I've been there. Back um, you the know, I've friends yeah, with a lot was... of my actors and I've seen how they can come off floors being absolutely, you know, just yeah. – destroyed. And yes. and all it takes is the ego of, you know, a misplaced ego of a director to think that they can ask for more than they've prepared for. I mean, I've seen that happen so much and I'm sure that, you know. And and honestly, if you ask Julie some of Julie's stories of working early on in the French movie industry, Jesus you know anyhow oh yeah I, I actually was more passionate about the intimacy coordinator than most other people because i uh, i do feel that as a director you are responsible for the mental health on the floor as well as the kind of health and safety which i'm also really passionate mm-hmm. about um, yeah. we so we did intimacy coordinator work with the scenes that we needed to do it on. um and so that was we rehearsed that and we obviously rehearsed uh our big set piece at the end but beyond that they did a huge amount of prep separately richard was did and he would say about it he it was a very isolated shoot for him it was a long shoot he was in in previous interviews what he's talked about is that he read the script when he was only 6 months um into having lost his wife um, oh wow yeah he was deep in grief and so mm. the resonances for him were there automatically mm. and he really uh it really struck a chord with him he has said. but uh, He's obviously not saying now, because my actors are on um, strike, and I fully... not
2: them. saying yeah, anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm 100% backing them, and, yeah. and so they won't be doing publicity for the film because of that. Yes. Um, but um, he would say that it really drew him to his own place. And surely he gets offered a lot of comedy doesn't have the chance to do things in this depth, And in rehearsals, she coined, coined this phrase, maman fatal, you know, the mother fatale a different twist on the femme fatale of noir mm. she was very keen to be calibrated so and i always think that and this is a really big analogy but i think when you get step on the floor with a bunch of actors they're all so talented and they're like nervous race horses they're, they're highly strung and they're quivering with anticipation for the race and you have to work out who needs what who needs a tight rein? Who, needs... know, would always be. I say, do you want more? Do you want less? Do you want anything? And I like that. I can out. I love kind of having those conversations. And Richard would just be like, "Tell me if there's anything different." And you could just put the lens on him and let it play out. Uh, the kind of confrontation scenes between Richard and Daryl—they found something in their chemistry they have a savage sense of humor and, and and you know the kind of one-upmanship they found that together that wasn't me i just filmed it
1: right well right. anna
0: filmed it beautifully <laughs> yeah
1: anna did anna did yeah, yeah. petra rakina right petra rakina uh, yeah.
0: a really amazing dp um, you know, my yes, well, with Anna and Isabel, my three oh, producers, amazing. You know, amazing. Yeah,
1: it did look beautiful, didn't it? It had this mm. wonderful quality. It was always, did was this something like with your mood boards and everything when you were, you know, doing that five year period? Had you planned this within an inch of its life, and then, like you said, then you came to location, it's not the one that you've maybe had in your head, but it worked brilliantly for us. I didn't mind mm. at all. Yeah,
0: but, we, didn't, we didn't plan it within an inch of its life. It is interesting, okay. we certainly plan. Yeah, we certainly planned and we wanted to push ourselves. We wanted to Mm -hmm. be bold and we wanted to make choices that um, we would go, why don't we do that? (laughs) And uh, there is a, there's a really brilliant letterbox review at one point when it says, and obviously the director and the DP just said, "Eff it, let's ball. And uh, they went for it in the third act. And I thought, oh, really weird, actually. It was brilliant. Uh, and I both really laughed at that. We really liked
2: Quote, it. unquote. Yeah, yeah. There was a
0: sense of freedom in what we were doing. It, it, mm. There was a sense of freedom on the floor as well to just be responsive to what was happening in front of you. And that has always been my philosophy as a director, and it didn't change with between television and movie, which is you plan and you plan and then you bend like a willow and you are organic mm. and see mm. what happens and it allows you a simplicity that i think allows me to do my best work and allows the actors to kind of you know be supported
2: did you find that the the location because it is this sort of palatial manor did you find that actually helped both you and the actors and the cinematography, because, it, you know, you've got these very defined areas. I mean, there's there's power plays in something as simple as opening and shutting the the dining room doors and who comes to dinner and who doesn't come to dinner. Like, how did that then inform, you know, did you start changing things with the scripts or did it was it just a natural helping towards everyone?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a whole real trope. Uh, the house became a character. I mean, we see it a lot in, in kind of <laughs> horror podcasts and all of that. The number yeah. of times I've been asked to make a house a character and you're like, This is a fucking house. But, and, and you know,
2: <laughs> less you for the say- music. We've already got the music. Really? we can't cast the house.
0: <laughs> it's less you for saying palatial man, And I'm really glad it comes out like that because what you see was about like five rooms, and the rest of the house was fucking derelict. It was uh, like you know. So, <laughs> but there was an air of derelict. The house was wonderful, and my designer managed to you know what he actually did, which I think again is part of the joy of this kind of movie making. Is we went out to all. Seth had trained at, um, uh, oh, it Martins. Was, uh Martin's, and he was yes, a designer no. by. In fact, there's one of his installations on the wall of lens studio. It's called Blood Out of a Stone. And that was oh. Seth Turner's um, final project for his art degree. And it's this stone oh. that has blood hanging on. I love it. It's like yeah. modern art. But yeah. he, he had a lot of connections in the world of modern art. And we went to a lot of young uh, or established and interested Artists, A lot of them female In fact I think we have gender parity on the walls And ask right. them for their art And Seth collated this amazing space That is dominated by Alain's art And some of that art gives you little hints Like the picture that's behind uh, Sinclair For example in the dining room Little Tiny little Easter eggs That are mm. there about you know the 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 character of who is in front of it, and that was really joyous to do. And then the lake—it's actually called the Monet House because the bridge that's over the water is obviously really like the picture in the Monet. But oh, if you amazing. look at that bridge, that bridge is crumbling into the water. It, mm. it isn't picturesque, and there are giant muskrats, koi poo. These the, the, the giant rats in the water. Yeah,
1: we love those shots. And we,
0: we love those... them so much.
1: <laughs> we couldn't work out what they were. Yeah,
0: it? it's really interesting because it's a little bit naughty.
1: <laughs> right.
0: It's a little bit naughty because we spent three and a half million pounds back in 1980 something exterminating all of the koi poo from British soil. Um, um, uh because they are considered an invasive species they're actually mm-hmm. and uh, but in we were shooting in hamburg now i think there's still koi pru out there in the kind of you know areas so they came into our mythical british house and, and we let them be there but really they don't they're not hit. i i,
2: in I, I was quite in, i quite enjoyed their kind of mini narrative i was, I was wondering what <laughs> happened to them at the end like were, were they <laughs> i can't say anything without spoiling but were they were they part of the the events that transpired <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they were
0: a great drag him under. character yeah, exactly <laughs> no, I think what yeah. it does is that the lake is haunted in many ways okay mm, yeah. so the lake is haunted uh, for, for the people of the household and the lake is uh, taken over and nature is coming back into it and it isn't being used and I think it's what mm. Sinclair says you know nobody's been in there for two years and so yes. what it did feel to us was that nature had reclaimed it and that it became you know it has a symbolism of course it does and and, and also at the end of the movie it, the symbolism comes into its own uh, and and you know this movie can be too meta of course it can be too meta oh you yeah. know you know did did we do that third act to reflect the book do you know was it that it mm-hmm. all goes strangely different lots of kind of words about that but it, I think the resonances are things that I enjoy because it makes people talk and uh, go, Do they mean to do that? What were those rats? Why is there a robotic mower that's got its own shot? That kind of thing. Yes,
1: that kind of thing. But that really worked for us because we talked about that for a lot, you know, for a yeah, while.
2: Especially those critters. I'm
0: just going to high five my producer here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is that Camille there? Is that, she, is that, that
0: Yeah, I think oh, oh, you. Could, uh, hello, hello,
2: yes, hello! I love Congratulations! Uh, as, in,
0: as you know, movie makers, this is a joy for us. This is a joy mm. for us to talk to you and be at this stage because it, we know it's a privilege. And Camille says, exactly "You mm. know, it's a slog." God, who would be a producer? Um, yes. And and so we feel really, yeah, just proud of everybody that was involved. And delighted that we've got a theatrical release because after COVID and and mm. with everything, uh, it could have gone, we could have just gone streaming as so many films did. But mm. also we're really delighted also that there seems to be a reinvention of the British film director just taking over the world. And that's really lovely to be part, of, lovely. part of that. Yes,
1: it? Yeah,
2: yeah, congrats
1: working with those actors then in those moments you said you know all those bits or working with the crew in this wonderful space when those moments that were difficult for you for our filmmakers listening um how did you overcome those problems because there's always problems on a film set how do you deal with it
0: always problem and it's my job that i really and actually that's i think having a body work behind me even it's not everybody goes oh She's the first time. It's like, no, I have a 20 years on the base. Yeah, I've been doing the this a while. I'm fine. Of Making yeah. television. And you realise that troubleshooting is can often be incredibly creative, okay, and lead you down creative avenues that you maybe were too restricted to see before a problem arose and you had to move around it. So I've always mm. long thought that And also being responsive, again, to things that occur on the floor that you have to react to and how you can, um, you know, bring those into your scenario. So that is part of my job as a director. I believe that if you are going to be and I don't know, I don't know every director, but if you're going to be so boarded out and rigid and precise, that might be the way of the auteur. It's not my way of working because I think you miss creative opportunity. Obviously, you prep. You prep mm-hmm. really hard. You think. You mood board. Um, Anna and I drifted around some galleries and had some tea <laughs> and had some Negroni, watched some Toskowsky, and yeah. you yeah. know had joyous fun. I mean, it's great. Sure, but yeah. but you have to you have to be responsive in my book. And actually, you asking about what happens in those moments. Well, Anna would come and find me while I was deep in thought about thinking of things or problems or whatever. And I would be watching the Koi Poo. And at one point we got so friendly that I would be feeding the Koi Poo carrot. Um, and they would be eating it. And then at one point I got really, really fascinated by the damsel flies, which are the blue flies in oh, they're classics, yeah. Amazing. And because they were laying eggs everywhere and there was such yeah. and for me, I've always always in life and in in my job and in movie making being able to put down troubles and find joy Mm. in nature and other things around me. And I really never want to lose that capacity because it equalises those moments of stress and tension.
2: Mm. Was there a temptation to adopt one of those little uh, creatures?
0: You know what? They're all dead now. They're all dead.
1: What did you do?
2: What
0: happened? (laughs) We were allowed, we didn't need to report them because we weren't the owners of the house. Right. Uh, the ownership on the house had just changed. And when the new owners came in, you have to report them. And they oh. an exterminator. <sighs> it's really sad. What a sad ending, the story. It's my dream. Sometimes when I wake up at night, I hope that oh. the little ones manage to run away. And it's yes. not like a kind of oh. version of Bambi where he's watching his mother being shot.
2: Oh. Yeah. That was not the answer I was hoping really for.
0: Sorry. <laughs> i sorry. We would have really loved to snuggle them back, but we would be, you know. Yes, yeah. Yeah. done okay.
2: for it, especially, yeah.
0: yes. flies, which only live for, you know, thirty yeah. hours or whatever.
2: I mean, we know they're dead. Yes, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> we know they're dead <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> and are yeah, in, there you go. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, that's how I deal with stress. And, and very often, when one of my very... Good friends as a producer went, what do you do that? Because I will just be like, look, a dog, look, a bird, right in the middle of a shoot. But I do it because it gives me a sort of mental um break. Pre-
1: Yes, and it's important to do that because otherwise you yeah. can get stuck in this stressy place where actually just taking yourself out from it and coming back and going, I'm making a movie. I'm making uh, a TV series.
0: I learned that lesson a long time ago and you yeah. see it all sets. You know, you think you're doing the most important thing ever mm-hmm. and they're indispensable. And, uh, you know, gosh, yes, this is all us together are doing it. And then somebody gets ill, they get taken off and they get replaced the next day and nobody blinks. And and, and I, I, yeah. I, I do think that you know wrestling with that level of ego is very healthy to keep mm. reminding yourself that we're tempering you're replaceable and um, and actually also i mean um, kindness is such an overused and you know divisive word but there needs to be you know for a long time our sets were run like a hierarchy military hierarchy people yeah so step over your place don't do that you know and it was, okay. was quite a culture of sort of bullying and um,
2: oh yeah massively. yeah
0: certainly very white certainly very male mm-hmm. uh that culture on the floor needs to change and it mm-hmm. is changing and it has changed But it's a slow process and also so i think mental health and that's what i'm talking about really for practitioners in this industry that level of stress isn't acceptable mm-hmm. it isn't acceptable for people to feel that they 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 can't take days off or they can't be ill or they can't do family occasions. It's not, we, we're looking, there are practitioners that are really looking at it, but we really need to look at mental health in the workplace. And so making it a less stressed, more relaxed kind of, you know, set was very important for the producers and myself.
1: Yeah. Mm. Well, it makes it more creative, doesn't it? It makes you be in that creative environment, doesn't it, Dom? Just,
2: yeah. and I, see, oh. I think there's a very small number of people that will like, really come out of their shell and give you a vulnerable brilliant performance or um you know crew position if if they're getting shouted at all the time and put under much more stress than they actually need to like most people do positively respond to positive praise or encouragement or creativity and and a welcoming kind of environment And and i really do think you know it's not it's not hard i think everyone should be Trying to yeah. put those values but into, I, I
0: understand it because you can be fired and you can be stressed, and you've got such a kind of you know. Oh yeah, I, I can, I get it. But there's no excuse for treating people who are yeah. artists like yeah. they are puppets. It's little tiny things like that. The way that yeah. you treat your background is like, would you go to dinner with somebody that was rude to a waiter? You know, no, I wouldn't. Mm. I wouldn't have dinner with them, and and I wouldn't work with a director that 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 thought the background could be just left. You know. I yes. in the sun without, do you know what I mean? It's like, if you're on my set, if my runner is unhappy, then I should be unhappy, and that's mm. very much my ethos. It's quite annoying for people, but it is my ethos because it's not the ethos that's been there before. And if your runner is miserable, then you, as a director, have that responsibility, and yeah. your as a producer. And I think this is this is happening. It is culture; is it's getting better, but we've yes. got a way to. Go.
1: This is happening, Alice. You're so right. Let's talk about post then, because obviously, yeah. in, in TV side of it, sometimes sometimes uh you're not in post as much um but with a feature you kind of are you've got your fingers and hands all over every single little bit of it you know how was that for you did you learn anything from that side of it of certainly doing
0: yeah um, i mean it's interesting when i do my dj work and i i I, so that's
1: wait your dj work
0: I, well, I'm a DGA member, so I work.
1: Oh, DGA. I thought you said no, DJ. No, DJ, like- no, no, be- <laughs> DJ you- Fisher-Price. <laughs> I, th- I thought for a minute you go to nightclubs, and, especially with the yeah, F- yeah. Fisher-Price record yeah, player would, behind you.
0: I would really like to be that director. That would be great. No, i not. Even <laughs> in, in the American jobs, when you're in the episodic system, you get taken, yes. you get three days in the edit. In I've spent like I've spent twenty weeks in edits on my television shows here because if you're execing and lead directing, you're in the edit for a very very long time, and and there's hmm. things to be found in that. So it wasn't unusual to be in the edit. I think what I found um, unusual was I and and this is this is a rare case this doesn't happen all the time because there are a lot of directors who get on the floor and they're under pressure from their producers from the very first moment mm-hmm. i just wasn't i was very trusted by my producers I didn't realise how rare and how extraordinary that was until the end of the process. Um, But because I think Cammy and I and Cass and Judy, the three producers with us, had been working on it for so long, there was an understanding there that they just didn't police me. And so the liberation there... Mm. Um, Isabel was with us from the start. Isabel came in, was doing, we, we were using guide tracks all the way through when we were assembling it. And so and that's something else I've learned, which is don't put other people's piece of music to your film unless you yes. don't want to change it, you know. Yes. But I yeah. do this in, in my television work. As well, so in Baghdad Central and Midwich Cuckoos, I had Hannah Peel, who was another amazing composer, mm-hmm. who actually just won an Ivor for Midwich Cookers, um, nice. and
2: very appealing. Yep.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and you know, so it's part of the joy of my work, working with these incredible talents that are coming up, and and we guy tracked the whole first episode to her music from the start for that reason. So these things are things I've learned to do. To, to, to creatively be satisfying. And Isabel, obviously, we've talked about, she's brilliant, and she really went with it, and we took the musical themes But also then Anna and I would go, and Anna and I did do a great look, and we did a lot, and mm-hmm. we wanted to make sure that we had the right look. But there was also a lot of playing at the other side of it as well. There, if you, Anna, process on what, how she got the film to look like that, like I am a layman and I will we'll muck it up, but it was, she did it incredibly cleverly and boldly and made really bold choices we restricted our sensor on our digital camera and she had a whole kind of process that she went through so um i think it gave people the freedom just to do things that they wanted to do and 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 that's all it needed gosh that's No, but that's we oh, were all very happy. Well, the it was wonderful. <laughs> what an amazing shoot! So we were so good.
1: <laughs> um, some of the rooms we were talking about this as well, weren't we, Dom? Like the rooms were they they had a um, what's the word for it? They felt intimate, and small, and pokey And we were like, "What were the rooms like that?" Or did you make us feel that way? And I was fascinated. We were like, "Okay," because he's. He sat by the sliding door, but that room's there and he can hear that. And, they can, and I loved it. And we, were just, like I say, opened up so many questions for us as to what, talk us through sh- filming there. And was it a smaller space? And if it was, how did you manage that?
0: Yeah, that was really interesting. Because that scene when he's listening, I think that in the script, he was like quite far away, right? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, and, 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 um, I was rehearsing because I always rehearse on the floor before we obviously go for a take. It's, yes. We had do rehearsals beforehand. We we were rehearsing the Richard and Stephen part of the scene, mm-hmm. and you know this is how free the floor was. Richard Richard had the idea of the window open and sitting there and having the pile of books. And the, and what I do love about my characters and one of the things that as a director I need to get right is my choreography. And it's a dance. It's an absolute dance. And if you've mm-hmm. got the dance right. Then the scene blocking feels yeah. right for everybody, and so I was rehearsing them, and I was said to Darrell, oh, "Just sit there. <laughs> I'll be with you in a second. And we'll work out where you're listening to this from." And he sat <laughs> down, yeah, and he was listening to them in there. And Anna just did this. Then, and this is what Anna does. She's so cool. They like, did the rehearsal, did it, and then she just sort of sidled up to me and showed me that she'd been filming it the whole time, and we worked out it was one shot that we pull back and we pull back and we pull back and we yes. find him. And then it develops even further when he decides to get up and go in. Yeah, and I then he finds him first on that reset of, hello, how are you? You know, after this toxic piece of
2: destruction
0: mm. that's been going on. And so that's how it sort of evolved. The actors had ideas and then there was a flexibility on the floor. And I felt, yes, it does compress them. Yes. But I really loved the fact that you find Liam there. And mm. that, and I always loved that glass and kind of, you know, that you're, you're an observer, you know, whose point of view am I with now? Oh, it's his, you know, so yes. it's that kind of thing. So, so, Sounds
2: like a brilliant relationship between the two of you. Yes. <laughs> so so if, if I could ask you one more question just on what advice you might offer to earlier version of you starting out or struggling, etc., etc. what would that be?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I definitely had the uh, Doff the Forlock mentality and, and the thing is, is, you could go, do I want to tell myself not to have that? Well, probably not, because that's probably what made me palatable. You know, when I was really kicking, trying to kick down the doors and before the issue of female directors was even on the table, mm-hmm. um, I suspect that, uh, that that attitude actually made me less threatening and so that made me palatable, um, certainly within what I was prepared to be offered. The other thing was I was lucky enough to find writers that, I really enjoyed working with and who were inspirational. And so I would say uh, Russell T. Davis, Stephen Butchard, Dominic Mitchell, Mm -hmm. uh, Sarah Phelps. uh, You know, I had great writers. And once you've got that relationship and you, you really understand that your job is to put their vision onto the screen, which is how I felt about the lesson as well, that that was very useful so i would say you know just find those writers and 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 you can do it nobody ever told me i could do it do you know what i mean has they you did it do yeah. that? <laughs> you've that, done it <laughs> so you can actually do it you can do yeah and that's what i would go back and say to my brilliant has anybody ever said anything really interesting about that answer Always like, get out now. You you oh, just you just, did. you
1: just did. <laughs> yeah, everyone says get out now. You need yeah, to Yeah, but that's leave. Really yeah. More if
0: like, get <laughs> out now and be an agent, and then you have a lot more money. Exactly,
1: be a distributor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, anybody, I don't think anybody has
2: ever
0: said that.
1: Actually. No
2: one's ever said that. Don't don't give up, and and find good collaborators. I, I think that's brilliant advice.
0: I want to ask you some oh. questions. So so so, what would you have, advice? Would you have given your younger selves? Come on, really, I would need to know now.
1: Yeah, I would say believe in yourself earlier and you could have done this way earlier. Don't rely on anyone else and stop believing they can make your film for you, only you can.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say exactly what Giles said and then I'd probably also say um, be, be very, like, honest with yourself about who you're collaborating with, you know, whether the people are on the same pages as you, whether they're good people to work with, whether they're actually going to deliver what they say they're going to do, and whether they're going to work as hard as you are, because you can waste a lot of time not.
0: That's sort of the writer thing, isn't it? Is go back yes. and yes. find those exactly. writers that you really, you know, that give you your solid foundation, and it's a... exactly. So we would all go back and tell ourselves that you can do it as well,
1: right? Exactly. So therefore, those listening now, you, you can, can do, do, it, do now. it. Yes, yeah.
2: Alice. <laughs> don't don't go back in time. Just do it now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Listen, we've got to let you go, Alice. Thank you yeah. so much. The lesson is amazing. Lovely, yeah. It's you. in cinemas Really now.
0: lovely to, to to chat to you guys. Thank you so much.
1: Thank no you problem. so much, and congratulations.
0: Yeah,
2: can't
1: thank wait to chat to you, Camille
2: bell. again. Thank you as well. You're amazing.
0: Do some more of our screenings, and we can meet in person. Yes, yeah, we will. Yeah.
2: We will. Hopefully, see you on the, the the BAFTA circuit this year. exactly. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. fingers crossed. Yes. Fingers crossed for you. <laughs> yes, uh,
0: lovely yeah. to see you. And
1: you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.